You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, it's Fitz, and if you don't know who I am, here's a quick bio. I'm a veteran sports journalist who writes, does TV, radio, and is a longtime podcaster. Also, I have stage four prostate cancer. During the initial stages of the 2020 pandemic, my doctors advised me to stay at home. But now, two years later, I'm not only healthy, but I've been declared in remission. But I'm still continuing this podcast, during which I'm calling the many friends, athletes, coaches, and colleagues who I've met throughout my 30 years in this industry. And now I'm also calling some new people to make some new friends. Oh, and I'm hitting the record button. Welcome to my life and the Life of Fitz podcast. When I started this podcast, I mostly just wanted to reconnect with friends. And along the way, I started venturing outside of my immediate circle of people I've known for a very long time. But this guy that I'm going to talk to today, we just got acquainted. Now, if you're from the Waco area, you know exactly who David Smoke is. They call him Smokey. Covers high school football, has had a radio show in the Waco area for many years. And then a few years ago, that ended just that suddenly. He lost his job. His son and another guy lost their job at the station. And they were all left wondering what to do. But sometimes life works out exactly how it's supposed to work out. And that's what happened with Smokey. He got an offer from another website, Sikkim365. It's not affiliated with any of the major networks to come in and do a radio slash video show for them. And how successful has that show been? It has dominated the conversation about Big 12 realignment and expansion. The topic of Oklahoma and Texas leaving the conference hit at exactly the right time for these guys. You need to go check out their YouTube channel. But mostly Smokey and I have kind of bonded. And now I found out that his older brother has prostate cancer. Well, Smokey's out driving around right now in Waco as I get ready to call him because his air conditioning went out in the midst of this heat wave in Texas. So now let's call David Smoke driving around Waco, Texas. What's up, man? How you doing, Smokey? Oh, I'm doing good. I got. Uh, I hope. Hey. Uh, Sorry it took so long. It uh, it worked out well though. Well, I'll be able to get back, and it should have cooled down by then. What was the temperature in in Waco today? Uh, no, it was 99 or 100. Lovely. Yeah, perfect to have no air. That, and guess what? That's probably as low as it's been all week long. I know. I know. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. It is absolutely crazy. Yeah. And I mean, there has been no rain. You know, normally you get a uh, thunderstorm, you know, thunderstorms because they all start, some clouds come blowing through here and they bump into each other and they got thunderstorms, lightning. It's beautiful. But there's been none of that. That's I mean, crazy. it's it's uh, it's nuts. But, oh, well, but we're good. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll survive. 
So give me the backstory on your career, how you ended up with Sikkim 365, doing what you're doing, and did you ever imagine that the way you're doing your show and putting it on YouTube would turn this from a kind of a local or Baylor-centric show to something so much more? It's become a monster, hasn't it? Yeah, Fitz, it's, it's, uh, it's something that uh, this is my 41st and a half, I guess, a year in radio, television, and mainly radio, just strictly radio since 1990, you know, talk show, AM radio. And that's when I moved to Waco in the summer of 2010. And the station had been underperforming a little bit, at least from what the owner thought as far as, and just, you know, a, a lot of different ways. And especially one of the things I've always been fortunate about understanding is sales. So I got here in 2010. We built that number up almost, well, not almost immediately, immediately. And got to some really, really great numbers and sales and revenue. But eventually it just kind of seemed like the the last two to four years, it was kind of a, a back and forth with me and ownership on some things. And finally just kind of came to a head in March of uh, 2020. I mean, as COVID was starting to creep into Texas, I guess it was. So uh, that afternoon, I'm driving home, and I hope I'm not taking too long. I'm oh. driving home. My son, Craig, who does a show with me along with Paul, uh, he and Paul and two others had been fired earlier in the day. Well, that's not just firing a, like an a employee of mine. Because I ran the the the, uh, the sports talk, uh, it's an ESPN affiliate, but also the guy I had been doing a show with for ten years, and the producer, my producer, and and so it was. There might have been some reasons for it, other than just the concerns of revenue, or which I I can't imagine that was ever a concern because we always outperformed everybody else that was in the so-called cluster always, and so I left the radio station. Oh, I don't know, at about 1 o'clock or so that day. And I was, you know, i got to tell you, I don't cry very often because ever since my father passed away, my mom and dad both in the same year, but in 2015, she was struggling. And then seven months later, he's just gone suddenly. And it it really kind of just took my soul, yeah. my emotional soul away. It doesn't mean I don't have feelings and all that, but it just crushed me. So I'm on my way home, and I... I uh, I kind of tear up. I'm more upset about the fact my son and Paul have been fired, and I'm like, oh, my God. And this has been brewing a little bit on and off, and we'd kick the – as the owner said, you always kick the can down the road, and we end up in the same place. Well, that afternoon, I told uh, a co-host of uh, one of the guys that worked for me that did a mid-afternoon show with Craig that, listen, I'm leaving. Uh, not the station – but I'm going home or I'm going to go do something. I need to get out of here. If you want to host my show that I normally do, uh, that's fine. Oh, I just don't feel like going on the radio and acting like everything's fun, you know, and happy and joy, joy. So about 2.15 or 2.20, I get a text from the owner. Get your, you know what, back here. I got to the station. He fired me. Um, what I had done was on Twitter told our audience – just like I've done when we've had technical problems or something happened. You know, one year we had some vandalism that cut our cables out to the satellites, and I put it up on Twitter. Hey, we're struggling. We, we're, we're off the air. We're trying to fix it. And, and it was fine when I did then, but I said, listen, we've, we've lost, I lost some battles today with staff, 
and I'm trying to just, you know, regroup and we'll be back on the air tomorrow. Well, he thought I was basically undermining his decision and making him look bad or whatever. And I never was never intended to do that. And so the bottom line, he fired me. So I'm on my way home. I'm like, what in the hell just happened? <laughs> I got a, I got a text from Sikkim365.com, which was which is a website like all the other fan websites right. that all schools have. And I had done some things with them. They they carried our show live on their site to give us just another venue. But they said, please don't make any decisions until we have a chance to kind of like we want to talk about this and get back with you. And I'm thinking, I'll be honest with you. And I told them I didn't think there was any way in the world that a website could come up with enough to appease me. Although I would be looking for a job, don't get me wrong, but I just didn't think I was like, oh, there's no way. Well, three days later, they're on the phone with me and Craig, and we're talking about numbers and revenue and, you know, uh, signing and, and what I get for selling and all. I mean, it, by Sunday, they had locked in Paul, and we signed four days after we got fired. And so it was a, they set me up to, to be very successful. If I wanted to, I make how much I want based on how much I want to sell the show. Well, that's what I've done, Tim. And we, we got immediately, I mean, it took maybe a half, maybe, maybe five days. And I had accumulated 13 sponsors <laughs> and all of them, except maybe one or two had come from what we had done at the radio station. And then there were some that were wanting to wait and see, okay, wait a minute, what's going to happen here? We had nothing. Paul had some equipment that he had compiled from us adding along the way that we did because we wanted better equipment at times, although the company we were at always, you know, would help with equipment and had great equipment. We, you know, there was other things we did. So we're like, wait a minute, we're going to do this. And they wanted us to do a talk show online. And I got to tell you, I've heard those, and I know that there's some national ones that are like huge, but I was like, okay. But yeah, it was going to be a Baylor's core Baylor centric, but they wanted me to do what I had done on the other station, the other show, high school football, NFL, Cowboys, all the stuff. And I basically just brought the same format with us. And we started on April 6th of 2020, which is like less than three weeks after all hell broke loose. We had nothing. We had nobody. I mean, the app was like hit and miss. We had the online link and no one even knew how to get to it because we couldn't tell anybody other than the website. But the crazy thing is, is that this YouTube and we built an audience and Baylor fans knew where to find us. And slowly but surely, we added even more sponsors. We got high school football on the air. But... Oh my God! The the uh, the Texas Oklahoma we're doing well we're doing really well but I'll, uh, uh, at the end of July of last year we had 2,700 subscribers to our YouTube channel of which I never even paid attention to I did mention it I never really thought much about it and I was kind of leery we had a couple of young guys that you know interns and one guy that was our director and they said no listen this is the way to go and I was like, okay and so after the Texas OU story hit and about. A month later, 5,000, 7,500, 8,500, 9,500, 11,000. And now we're at over 21,600 subscribers a, a year later. And it is now, listen, that's not everybody watching at one time. No. But what I did not realize is as I learned this along the way, because the younger guys, including Craig and Paul, they all get all this stuff. I'm, 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 I'm typewriter, eight track, you know, <laughs> record player. And, and so 
I, I have been blown away by the growth. I've been blown away by how everything has spread from coast to coast. You know, like when Texas OU leaves, and we were pretty, we were fortunate. I had somebody that was pretty, pretty much in the know. And I'm not even saying it wasn't even Baylor. It was just somebody that, for some reason, liked our show when he started. Hey, I'm gonna. I, you know, I got some stuff. And then, of course, I still have to check that out. Because, as you know, we see this all the time now. People are throwing – everyone's a reporter. And that doesn't mean they're not smart or they don't have ins and outs. So we started getting Memphis, uh, Cincinnati, UCF, uh, Boise State. And then what also happened is some – Kansas State, Iowa State, West Virginia, uh, that, that were all kind of like everyone else at the time, worried about whoever was left, what's going to happen with us, right? Baylor, TCU, Texas Tech, got a big contingent from Tech. And all these places have really good people that cover them. And then Brigham Young. And we just were ahead of the curve. And something we did, I don't know what it was, maybe the trust that you hope you can still always have, it just grew and grew and grew. And we've had coaches from all these schools. We've had ADs. Like, I love Chris Kleiman. We had him at Big 12 Media Days. Um, you know, I, it, it is, it has, there's the answer, and I'm sorry it took so long, oh, is great. no way. Never in my lifetime did we ever think of this. And now the partners, we have guys, three guys, they rarely ever say anything to us other than maybe give us a little note that they might have or, you know, they. it's always 100% supportive. On occasion, you know, we might want something here and we got, okay, well, here's the deal. You want it, go get it, but you got to go sell a sponsor. And that's fine. I'm fair, I, and I do. But they are incredible. And they started talking about this YouTube. I didn't even realize if you started compiling subscribers, then you start getting YouTube money. Yeah. You know, I just, it's not like, it's not Elon Musk, but, it, you know, there's, there's, there's a guys that work behind the scenes for us that getting a, a small little, you know, bonus on every other month or every month or every few weeks, that's a big deal for them because a couple of them are still in school. Yeah. And they're brilliant. We have a staff that every day I come in, and for the first time, I think, in my career, I feel like everyone else can almost make decisions, and I just, you just, I'll, I'll get the guests, I'll kind of try to be the traffic cop on the show, but they are unbelievably brilliant, creative, and you know what I also have to say this, I've always worked in an office, and you know, not that I never had my bad days and probably created drama. We have no drama, none. Doesn't mean we don't bicker a little bit about this or that, but we have no office drama. There is no office. We have, everybody works from home all day long. We have a studio where we do other podcasts. We come there at 2.30, 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock, we do the show. We can say a few things, walk out the door, but there's none of that inner office inner office drama that you have in some businesses and that is as refreshing as anything else man i tell you what the the key to all that is putting together the team like you said if if, if you get people that take care of stuff you're set and i always tell when i interview guys or gals for for jobs i said there's i only have two types of employees ones that make my life easier and one that make my life harder 
And you can know where you're going to fall on that if I keep you around. Because I'm not a micromanager. Absolutely. I'm not a micromanager. Just take care of your shit. That's all I want you to do. Just take care of what you're supposed to take care of. Uh, and you know what that is. It's what it what needs to be done. That Just take care of yep. it. And we'll all get along and work. And it's, it's worked for me for 20-plus years. But I, I look with great envy with what you guys are doing because when I started up my business many years ago, before we were, you know, YouTube and stuff on the Internet, let alone live streaming things, I, I envisioned having a multimedia company covering Kansas State, you know, doing video and audio. And uh, the one thing we haven't put in is the live version because it's a huge commitment. What you guys do every day is an, just an enormous undertaking, and I admire it so much because it's not only uh, you're not only doing it, you're doing it exceptionally well, buddy. Yeah, I mean it is it it's big time. I I, I mean I I look at what you're doing with that show and how smooth everything runs, and I'm like this is like a corporate thing. I mean this is like you've got big money behind you. And no, it's it's just you know a Baylor website that is well funded and well run, that is just kicking ass with this now live show. It's it's incredible. You're doing a three to six live video show. Thank you, man. On YouTube, it's it's amazing. We this you know one of the things that's also a great when we ought to one day and we probably will all of us, Craig Paul. We may one day write a book, depending on where this ends up. And if it stops right now and we just keep what we have now, we're going to be very successful and we'll enjoy it. But um, we okay, so we decide to do a show, right? Okay, where are we going to do a show? My condo is a split level, and and it's it, it, we could have gone downstairs and put things together, whatever. Um, so Craig is lives across town. And, and, you know, like I has a, a nice apartment, but it, it, there's no room there. So Paul has had bought a house a few years back, and it's a two-story house, but the second story is kind of almost like they made it into a second story from, like, what used to be maybe an attic. And they Well, so we start out, not kidding, our first six months, well, see, April, May, June, like the first five or six months on the air, we are doing a show from upstairs in Paul's house. <laughs> He had a desk up there, kind of his man cave, you know. At the time, he was single. He's getting engaged. He got engaged about a week ago. So, but but he had kind of that upstairs, you know, sports pictures everywhere, couches, desk, and a big flat screen. He got a couple of couple of poker table, like a couple of uh, what do you call those uh, square tables? Yeah. Um, and and like a yeah, and we we set up. Craig had his, I had mine, Paul was at the desk, he put up all this technology, we kind of double-checked it, we had a couple of burps along the way, we did the show starting April the 6th from the upper part of his house, we had a, a, a pretty good internet line that was dropped, you know, and and um, it was crazy, and we were having Hall of Fame guests, because I friend of mine that I've gotten to know over the years from going to the Super Bowl has, you know, produced for all the big radio companies in the, in America. And he helped share me a list of a bunch of the guests. And I called him. I was not afraid to ask him. And it was, you know, it could be one day might be Jim Kelly and his story, or we could try to get Jim Brown, but he, he, he did not respond. And I had, I probably had a number that he had like nine numbers ago, but we were able to get 
Tom Glavin, or we were able to get these great Hall of Fame names that had nothing really, not even a lot of them had to do with college football, but we had to do something where we made people go, hey, did you hear about the interview with so-and-so? You know, um, Gary Player. And then, then someone goes, well, who, how, who had Gary Player? Smokey and Paul, oh, they're not on the state. So then that's, you know, that's what we did for like the first six months is we, and that's something I learned back in 1990 when I got into the radio, when I had a friend of mine tell me, he goes, listen, first of all, no one's going to be listening to you. You will get one caller maybe every day for several weeks because they're the ones that will think that's their show. And, And, you know, it's kind of that local radio. He said, what you have to do is have three guests every day because that's the only person you're going to talk to every day for like the first three or four months. And I did the same thing. We had guests. And next thing you know, people started talking about some of the guests we had. And next thing you know, people started realizing what frequency it was. And I had done television, so they knew me, but they didn't know where I was. We didn't. And, and so I just took that philosophy from 1990 and worked it. 30 years later, and, you know, and now, you know, Brigham Young gets us Kalani Sataki, the Big 12 Media Days. You're there. We get you, all of us, have access to all these people um, and players, you know, B. John Robinson and Dylan Gabriel back-to-back to start the show Thursday. And we've had Bill Snyder. We've had Tom Osborne, who's like one of my all-time favorite people ever. Um, we've had Tom Flores, who's now in the Hall of Fame. And, you know, so it, it, it's very, very fortunate. And now it has turned from what was just do a talk show, find as many big name guests as you can, let people kind of know where we are, but still cover Baylor. If someone committed, we get them on the show. Now it's kind of hard because you don't know who really is committed anymore. They, they decommit and yeah. do all that stuff. So we, but then the Texas, oh, and then we, we started doing a little college football. We always have covered the Big 12, but then Texas, oh, you hit and everything, the entire, the entire axis of what we did, we realized based on the numbers, Oh my goodness, we may have just fallen into something because of something two schools with big egos did. And it thank you, Texas and Oklahoma, for making it hard for a while, but making it also open their eyes to what we can do. And college fans were so thirsty for something, I guess, in our time period, and we're thankful for it. It truly falls under the heading of the Lord works in mysterious ways. Sometimes the worst things yes. that happen to you in life are the best things, as it turns out. Yeah, I, I almost did this, and it would have been evil, and I didn't. But I almost wanted to send a thank you note on the one-year anniversary <laughs> of what happened. And I, I, I did. I mean, I can listen. I got, I got evil in me. I don't, don't think I don't. But um, but I, I that would have been classless, and it would have been unfair. And, you know, what also is great is that there are people that were there, who worked there, who I had— Helped, I guess, along the way. One of them now does a show in Vegas. Another one doing, he's completely gone. A lot of the people are gone. But um, just over time, because we did some things when we were there. And and then, of course, a lot of that started to get shut down. I'm not saying that they're not still open and doing their thing. That's fine. But it's, uh, it's kind of, it's kind of like a coaching tree. It makes me proud of where a lot of people are. And, and um, man, it, it is, and, and, and I, Oh my goodness! And you have we every day. There's something. I, I don't like a lot of the speculation and rumor. I know there's some people that report things on social media and Twitter and all this stuff. 
like today, San Diego State was going to get offered by the SEC. Or I, I, and we know, you and I, we know how to decipher between what is real and what's something throwing mud against the wall and hope it sticks. But it has been, and I'll tell you what, I'm exhausted sometimes when I go home. I'm 63, so I'm in great shape. But I am sometimes mentally worn out. Not because it's a bad day, but because our chat room is like a day. It's like goes nuts. Yeah. And then you've got the text line and then we'll on occasion take calls and then we've got guests. And then what are the stories? And it, it is it is like seriously so much like a, it's like I've been thrown into a washing machine. And it, but it's great. It, it, yeah, how can I be complete? I, I could go back to that 1990 when I was given the advice. No one's going to hear you. One person's going to call you who might accidentally hear you. And that's it. I mean, I remember those days. And so it's great to not even have time sometimes to get back to everybody. But I sure do try. Well, it, like I said, it's an incredible show, but it's got to be fun to do it with your son. How, how does that work? And I like how he. He d- disagrees with you quite a bit when I'm watching. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. I mean, people want to sit there and use that old term, chip off the old blockies in radio. Craig, Craig is – one thing about Craig, Craig would rather not even be on the television. He does not – he has – he honestly has zero ego. He would rather – you know, he sometimes would come in wearing a hoodie. He always has a hat on. He does not give – a anything about whether or not anyone sees him he does love to, to do the show um and so back in 2000 and he graduated from a high school in Tyler where i did a show for a long long time my daughter and craig both graduated from lee high school it's now legacy and he did i guess it was a senior year we started having a sideline mic like one of those nice wireless sideline mics and i remember he started doing the sideline halftime interview with the coach in the postgame interview and then two years later they won a state championship and he's right there in the middle of it talking to the coach and so he kind of he was very good uh he learned he was very good though he wasn't like scared to death he didn't have a shaky voice he was really good like when i first started in television i was awful i'm not so sure that's still not true but i had like scared to death monotone voice you know like like i had no idea what i didn't even know what inflection meant so he starts doing that he kind of bounces around a little bit in college and then he kind of gets back into being associate producer and helping with a couple of things i have a high school website that covers the state of texas and he started doing stuff with that and then he started doing talk radio and then in 2013, he comes to Waco from Tyler and starts co-hosting a show in the early afternoon. It lasted up until, well, March 18th of 2020. When that happened, we started not only we weren't just working in the same like company. We never really did a show. We'd never done a show together. We did high school football, but never done a show together. So uh, April 6th of 2020 was the first time, other than a pregame or something like that, that we started doing a show together. And it is, for me, an absolute joy to be able to work. He is fearless, as you know, Tim, like you are. He does not mind saying how he feels. He and I got into it the other day about the ACC and ESPN. And if I'm not prepared he will slice me i mean like he will he will make me look foolish if i haven't done my homework um and i love that because it keeps me on my toes it keeps me and you know he and paul don't always agree and paul and i don't always agree and that's healthy but one of the things we always love and i've always told my guys 
we can always go back. We can always, you know, people go down this avenue now, and you see it on the networks. This, okay, person A and person B, they're going to do a, sit across a desk, and they're going to argue about things. Right. And person A today is going to argue about the Cowboys, and person B today is going to argue about Lamar Jackson. And they might even argue in favor or against something they don't even believe. Right. But that's how they right. get – I hate that. Like I couldn't sleep at night with no, that. I'm with we you. all. We're exactly like we all just. This is who we are. We are wide open. Sometimes Craig can look like he's mad at the world, and sometimes he might be. Sometimes I look like you know I'm a little bit old school, and I probably am. And Paul's kind of a really high intellectual political science guy, government things like that. We, it's a really good match, three different type ages, and it is so much fun because we may sometimes during a break not talk to each other. You know, like, like it doesn't mean we take it personally, but. We do, as you know, we go after each other. And a lot of times it's Craig and me going after each other, and I love it. Yeah. It, I mean, you, you need that conflict, but in a respectful way. And I, yes. I feel like some of the staged conflict on particularly ESPN um, is obviously staged. I mean, they make some arguments yes. there that – what are you even talking about? Uh, you're right. Yep. I couldn't do that. I Look, I got enough opinions that I actually believe in that'll piss people off. I don't need to come up with something I don't believe in to do this. That's exactly right. But yep. I see them. I see particularly one host and, you know, I'm thinking of that crosses the line to disrespecting his coworkers. And I can't take that. That that doesn't work for me on any level. Um, even if it's an act, it, it just turns me off. But uh, I'm, yeah, I'm amazed by the way, how you guys tie it all yeah. together. It's, it's, it's beautiful to watch. Well, it is. And, you know, we have the set, the company, the partners put this set together. They ordered it. It came in on some kind of like a, you know, a big, big U-Haul truck. And they, they got, you know, shined down and painted. And then they brought it in. They've done it. And that studio, you know, I was telling you about we did the first five months or so from Paul's upstairs. That studio, we looked around for a couple of locations. And I'm thinking, like, you know, they're going to buy like a a place we're going to do a studio. Like I said, what do you like? A, like, is it going to be like a, in the same building with an attorney's office or like CPAs or whatever? And we're no, they bought this bottom corner, first floor, incredible access. There's been a lot of construction around it, but it's a brand new, like a loft apartment type place. It's got high level places and we're on the bottom level. They bought it. They turned it into a studio. It is, you got room to do two or three other shows in there. The main set, is there it is they have been just so it, it, it's so refreshing what they do and and listen they did the sickum the, the 365.com I call it like the umbrella because everything's underneath that right there we're sickum 360 radio 365 sports whatever but they have this umbrella I don't know if you know this but during the year beta wins the national championship they hired this professional documentary producing director type cameraman company to do a big documentary about Baylor basketball dating back to the, when Dave Bliss was fired, someone died in the basketball yeah. program. That's how yeah. Scott drew arrived. They spent thousands and thousands. I can't even explain to you how much they spent on that. And they're, they're, they're close to hitting it with a streaming company to get it on there and they'll be able to recoup a lot of the money. They are not afraid. They're not afraid at all 
in any way. They don't just throw money away. Not, this isn't like live golf in Saudi Arabia. This is people who understand that we're building something from scratch. And a lot of times what you earn, you put it right back in the system. And it is so, so fun to watch. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really incredible. Hey, it's Fitz. Let's hit the pause button right here and take a little break. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Well, let's get to the good stuff. Let's talk about realignment. When I heard the news a year ago of what Oklahoma and Texas were doing, I imagine you were the same way. It was pretty slimy how it all went down. And it was also slimy what Texas A&M did in leaking it. And I just remember the horror and catastrophic thoughts we all had that everything we'd build as either businesses or, you know, let alone the the institutions and the fan base, we're all going to get set back by, you know, losing membership in a Power Five conference. But then it started, and honestly, it was K-State and Baylor were two of the leading voices in this. No, we're going to stick yep. together. We're going to stick together. We're going to stick together. And I remember from the very start, Gene Taylor, the AD up here, just was unflinching. It's okay. We're going to be fine. And And people didn't believe him. And everything Gene said at the start was exactly right. It was okay. It was fine. And by God, adding four non-Power 5 institutions, replacing Oklahoma and Texas, worked. And I don't know how it worked, but I feel like the conference moving forward, while might maybe would have more value with Oklahoma and Texas, it's going to be a better conference because it's more cohesive with 12 equals sitting at a table instead of Texas at the head and Oklahoma acting like the hand of the king to their right and just ruling the conference to do whatever they want. Now we're all in charge, and I love it. I am thrilled about that. I don't want to use the word thrilled too much, but you're right. Listen, I'm a lifelong Nebraska fan. I was born in Offutt Air Force Base in Omaha. My dad was military. We moved all over the world. I was there for a year. I was like five or six years old. I remember one time sitting down in a living room watching TV, black and white TV, and my dad explained, that's Nebraska, that's Alabama. They look like they have the same uniform, but that's the difference. And that's where you were born. And I, oh, my God, I guess I like them. And I, what a great time to like them in the mid-60s, right? Wow. And then, and I know, and I know they're, they're like, I'm numb to them now. I mean, I don't want to talk about that, but we all all know what happened. The Southwest Conference was riddled and being torn apart because of their own uh, recruiting and uh, NCAA violations and, and allegations. And um, and then they needed a lifeline. And they looked at the Big Eight because, well, the Big Eight was pretty damn good with, at the time, 
Kansas State was really, really getting, I mean, really getting better with Bill Snyder. And obviously, Nebraska, Colorado, they were good. And, and Oklahoma at that time was struggling. But And when they merged, it was like immediate. Because I had a lot of friends of mine that were Texas alums, and they were telling me things like, well, Nebraska's not going to be able to have the edge they had before. They're not going to be able to do this. That was orchestrated. The merger, or the, excuse me, excuse me, the development or the production of the, of the Big 12 Conference from even before they started, Texas already had a game plan. How do we cut the knees out from the Giants? Even though Texas won the first championship game, which was a shocking upset, they already had started to get, how do we take care of Nebraska's advantages? Like, if Texas has all the advantages. At times, they don't take advantage of them. But they were, they knew how to go after Nebraska's recruiting edge. And, yes, Prop 48 probably was wrong. The, the, some of the red shirt programs, some of this and that. And, and it worked. It surely worked. It eventually wore them down. But I never trusted them. I love it. It's, it's not like Earl Campbell being from working in Tyler for as long as I did. I, I've, like, been fortunate to be a great friend of his. Um, he is an amazing man. And I, he's a Texas Longhorn through and through. And there's other guys I covered in high school that loved him, that loved him. They went to Texas. But, man, they are always – okay, this is what businesses do. But they are always trying to not only do what's best for them, but honestly it seems like they're always trying to find out, okay, who's the number one target for us and how can we weaken them? Not just – we are Texas. We have more money. Ours is bigger. Um, you know, we make more revenue. We've got all this. And they do, and they do, and they do. And yet it seems like they spend time, and it's successful, in finding ways of undercutting people that might be their biggest competition. Well, I didn't think they had competition if you listen to them. Yeah. And, and, I, and I know, oh, my God, you know, no one is allowed to have an opinion like they are. And then, oh, my God, if you ever have an opinion that's against them, here comes the fire ants mentality of Twitter and social media. And, oh, my God. So and you know exactly what I'm saying. And so and then Oklahoma, like they were terrible when the Big 12 was opened. And so they probably said, heck yeah, we need to undercut them because they were not even, a, they were terrible with yeah. Schnellenberger and John Blake. And then they did it again with this move. Like, I'm not so sure. I, I've used this as an example, Tim. I'm not so sure that in this example of how they both decided to leave, that Oklahoma wasn't the drunk guy that walks into a bar or a guy that walks into a bar, gets smoking drunk, right? <laughs> Starts a fight with everybody in the bar, passes out, passes out on the floor, never gets punched, never throws a punch, and Texas is there to take all the, you know, the fight for them. I believe that's kind of an example. And listen, I understand what they're doing. I don't like it. I don't like the way college football is getting to the point now where every everything is about money. I get how some of the student athletes now are getting things they've earned for years and years. I'm not against any of that. But it's like nothing of tradition now matters. And that's not me being an old man, get off my lawn. I love that in Mac Rhodes and Gene Taylor and uh, all of them, Jamie, uh, at Iowa State, all of them to a man have said – we now can walk into we basically they, we can walk into a meeting, have a meeting, and everybody doesn't have to worry about 
really what we're saying, and then it'll be turned against us at some point. They are all, you're right. They are all on the same page, and Brigham Young feels that way. UCF, now they may be a bit of a problem. That fan base, they're nuts. Yeah. I mean, that's a that, that Twitter mafia, they got all into our business last weekend over something because we had a guy that produced, we had a segment about them, we had a segment about them on our show, and it highlighted them, and our producer accidentally put Golden Knights, and they lost their minds because they're no longer the Knights or Golden or whatever. Yeah. So they they may be, we need to watch them, but uh, God, I'm, la- I'm glad they're coming. In Cincinnati, I'm glad they're coming. Houston's kind of not said much, you know? They ha- they've been excited. They haven't really said much, and they're moving they're trying to get themselves academically stronger and facilities wise stronger. And I love it. Um, yeah, I, I, I cannot agree with you more. And I saw what you tweeted at big 12 media days. I laughed my butt off about how some of the questioning, uh, I, I believe it was you, some of the questions that were being asked to the commissioner right. and others, it was very condescending. It was very, by the way, it's still all about us. We're leaving. Right. Yeah, but hey, don't forget about us. And oh, God, it, 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 it was like, hell, a lot of them showed up at SEC media days, and they, they may not even be there for another two or three seasons, and they tried to take that over. You know? Yeah, it's that, what they that do, man. Work. They, oh, that ain't going to work. No. They're, they're in for no. a rude awakening when they get to the SEC. They ain't running the show. They aren't the show. No. They're not going to get their no. way. I don't, they're going to have a meltdown. Okay, you know what? I know that you're right. But here's the part of me that I promise you, and, and, and I, I know this is unfair for me to say this, they are already finding a way to nuzzle up to the right people, and even though Florida can look them straight in the eye, and so can Alabama, and so can Georgia, and so can LSU, and so and now A&M, I promise you they will work on something that will give them an advantage at some point. It's like they'll slip through the back door, They'll get a couple of people on there. I, I'm just telling you, I would be careful when they, if this thing ever does get to what I hope to God it never does, top 35 or 40 teams and they all play for a different national championship, all those teams that have been protected because they're a part of a conference, Northwestern, Vanderbilt, those type of teams, they need to watch their back if it ever does get to that point because it's a matter of time before they will be stabbed in the back and because those people don't bring much money to the table either. Yeah, it's incredible to me, and I think we're headed to that. I think the the Fox ESPN play here is to set up a 40-team, a you know, two divisions just like the NFL and – and go and and have their own championship and almost be semi-pro football. And at that stage, I don't think any other conference should play them. If they're playing by different rules, you know, particularly paying players and stuff, I think everyone needs to say, go do your thing, man. Go do your thing. Yep. And we're not going to play that. So you have to play all 12 of your games against each other. You know what that means? Your average record is going to be 6-6. Six and six. Nebraska yep. won't be the only brand name that falls on hard times. A lot will yep. because someone's got to lose the games. Have fun. Absolutely. And, and there'll be a lot of seven and fives, and there'll be a lot of tiebreakers and all that. That's what's funny. You know, I, I, I like to. I really do. There's something about maybe it's his voice, and maybe it's because he's won five or six or seven or how many national championships. And I know Alabama has their, uh, you know, their their recruiting advantages. And I mean, no one is squeaky clean. I get that. But you know what? If you ever listen to him, yeah, I don't think he's a BSer. I think he truly believes in certain things that should stay in college football, and he's against this arms race. Now, he's also one that used to hate the spread offense, and I said, okay, 
I don't think it's good for him. Well, because it beat, it beat him a couple of times. And guess what? <laughs> All right. If you guys are going to use it, we're going to start using it. NIL, okay. We may be behind on this. We're going to start. And But he does, make, he does not like the loss of the traditional rivalries. He does not like the fact that Oregon State, when they start practicing in August, or Kansas State, or Baylor, or Oklahoma State, when they start practicing in August, they, they, they should have the hope that if it happens to be, they built it, they've, they've, uh, they've developed their talent like climbing, like Bill Snyder did, like what Iran is doing, like what Gundy has done, that they should have as much of an opportunity to win as anybody else, and not just because someone's attached to a conference. Yep, I agree. I agree. It's going to be, it's going to be a lot of fun, and um, I'm just I'm kind of happy what's going on right now because for the first time as someone who covers the Big 12, the Big 12 isn't in peril here. It's the first time this has happened in modern realignment that the Big 12 hasn't been the victim. Now, now yes, the Hunter, yes. um, and I just go back a year ago when those snobby Pac-12 schools decided nobody in the Big 12 could possibly fit into our conference and bring us anything. Because from a financial standpoint, that was asinine. It wasn't about that. It was all about academics and how they think they're superior. And now it's coming around to haunt them because – Frankly put, Cal's not going to be in a major conference when the dust settles. Cal's going to be yep. out. They, they might be in the Mountain West, but I suspect they'll drop football and just move into, you know, doing other things. Talk, talk about arrogant. Talk oh. about some their, their stuff doesn't stink. I mean, I, I mean, and, and by the way, and I love, I love what Stanford is. I mean, I really do. I've always been, I've always admired them, and I know they've got an endowment that is like bigger than the moon. But I've always, I always have liked them. You know, I really have always respected Stanford and their football team with Shaw. He's always been a really good coach. They, they haven't really done much. They haven't really done much lately. But the Big Twelve, it, the Mac Rhodes, we had him, we had him on the show Wednesday. We get him every Tuesday, but it's been about three weeks. And he said, he's he's very he's very confident about the Big Twelve. He cannot see in any way that the schools in the Big Twelve will not have a chance to compete for the highest level of championship. He just can't imagine it. And and I think Mac would not say that if he didn't feel strong about the whatever they're about to do next. And then also, these four teams coming in. You know, people can sit there and try. Here's another thing. That, oh, they're a group of fives. A group of five that somehow found a way to get in the semifinals. We know it's almost impossible. Brigham Young's never been thought of as a group of five. Houston used to be as high, you know, used to win Southwest Conference titles. Yeah, they struggled. Yes, they've got to get better. Yes, they got to do more. And then, of course, UCF is this kind of like sleeping giant. They they could not have plucked four better teams. With all due respect to Memphis and Boise and others, they could not have found four better free agent teams uh, to join the conference at that moment to solidify them than they did. Well, that's the double whammy for the pack. They, there's just no one of any kind of substance that they can bring in that fits all their needs, that fits the athletic needs and the academic needs. Maybe they'll let San Diego State in just so they've got a foot in Southern California. But I'll be honest, buddy, I kind of hope the Big 12 invites them for the same reason. I would like yeah. to take oh. two, maybe three Pac-12 schools, depending on how you divide up the conference, and add a San Diego State. Because I think what we've learned is – we got to stop looking at what programs are in this moment or in the last 20 years as a moment and try to project where they're going to be in 10 years. Because 
I, I don't think anyone thinks of TCU and Utah as Mountain West teams anymore, do they? No. They're Power 5 schools that used to be yep. in Mountain West and with the elevation have had some success. TCU's down a little bit, but they've had success. And I think Central Florida, I'm sorry, I did it again. That's what they get mad at me for, their UCF, is going to be a problem because they are going to get money. All those alumni who really haven't had a reason to be attached to the school and now with football success are beginning to get there. But, man, when they start having Big 12 schools visiting for football games, I think they're going to be an issue going forward. They could be a really, really powerful oh. program. Yeah, I mean, the guy that we had on, Jimmy Skiles, who's like, you know, like the associate athletic director or whatever, kind of like one of the branding or whatever yeah, title was. I he was fantastic. He told me that he had this little card. It was brilliant. 96% of their alums are alive. Because it's such a new school. That's it's like, incredible. what was it, like started in 1969 or whatever it was? 96% of their alums are alive. So a lot of them are, hell, their average age is like in their 40s. And so, and I'm telling you, that's then, you know, they're all in tune to the common technology of today from all the different ways you could be on social media to all the hashtags and all the things that like give me a headache and I can't keep up with it. I mean, they're full throttle. And they are, they, they're going to be a handful now. They're, they, <laughs> and, and, but you know what? It's, it's almost, is there going to be a handful? And yeah, they're a little over their skis, but they've had some success and they've had Dante Culpepper and they had the hell of the team and they've had this, but you know what? They're excited as hell of being a part of the conference. Yeah. They have been left for dead. And that's what I hated. I'll tell you what I hated about USC, UCLA, Tim, is that when that story popped, you know, the first person, first thing I thought about selfishly was, okay, here we go again. Are we going to be covering the elite highest level of football and basketball and other sports? Uh, because that would affect our business a little bit. If, right. if it wasn't, with all due respect to any of the levels of whatever, people have fans and they all like they get excited when they win national titles, but it's different. Um and so I started thinking about these four teams, Cincinnati, Houston, UCF, and Brigham Young. They have been on this high for 12 months. And all of a sudden, you wonder if their phones started going, you got to be kidding me. We've been waiting, and we've got this opportunity. We're a year away, and this is going to derail us. And I felt for them. I feel for Oregon State and Washington I State. I feel for all of them. I'll feel for any of one of the Arizona schools if they're not a part of something. Cal is the only school that I could give a damn about just because of just kind of that, you know, and and it's not even because of politics. It's just not even because of how they look at life. It's just this, maybe at some point they'll, it'll all work out for them. And I don't, if they don't make it, oh, well. Yeah. Oh, well. I'm with you. I, I'm not a big Stanford guy. I've, I've, K-State played out there about five years ago or something. And it was clear college football isn't important out there. And I'm fascinated by Stanford because I don't think there's any other school that has a strong national brand but not a local brand. People out there don't give a crap about Stanford. Yeah. It's really yeah. a strange no. thing. So. Yeah, you know, and that's what's so weird about these TV markets you hear. Like, with all due respect to Houston, and I mean – 
I like the University of Houston. I respect them. I mean, their men's basketball team is fantastic. And, and then Holgers is doing okay. And, and they've got history, but they don't carry Houston. San Diego State, I, they probably do now carry part of San Diego because yeah. there are no Chargers. And But you're right about that. The uh, there's, there's, there's certain, like Stanford, if, if the Pac-12 pieces together something, if they figure this out and they save it, Stanford or Cal delivering the Bay Area of San Francisco and Oakland is a joke. Yep. I'm sorry. That those are two sports, pro sports towns. Listen, Kansas City is a great mixture of pro sports and also the collegiate sports. And I mean, it's it's a great sports town. And I know that they, you know, they 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 have the Chiefs and they have the Royals. But Cal and Stanford, I, I don't know. If we were doing the show the day USC UCLA went down. The day we did it, we had a text from somebody who was in LA listening to LA radio, sports radio. And of course they probably have three or five stations and they talked. He said, I've been listening to the radio all day, driving in from wherever he was. I've been on the road for like six hours on and off. I have not heard anybody on this sports station. I don't know if it was who it was. Not one time was USC and UCLA bolting for the big 10, even brought up crazy. So, and they get the L.A. market. Okay, I understand USC, Hollywood, UCLA. I get that. But you think when Texas and Oklahoma, that story came down in late July last year, Dallas Talk Show, which is a Dallas is a pro sports town, that was a story. It was a story in Houston. That's a pro sports town. But in L.A., this guy had been re- – I mean, it wasn't like there was a Dodgers game being played that took up an hour pregame, three-hour game, or an hour postgame. It was talk radio, and they never were even brought up. And that's kind of what – they'll get the L.A. market because they happen to be, like, located in L.A. or around L.A. Well, I, I think the whole discussion of markets is fading as we get into more of a streaming environment. It's going to be about fan engagement. That's all it's about. And you can have – yep. you can be from the middle of Kansas or the middle of Texas, but if your fan base is engaged from coast to coast and you kind of pick up a following of people that are interested in your brand – you're going to be okay. It's not about markets and anymore. Absolutely, and that's what Brett Yormark might be able to deliver yeah. in a way where – and I asked him when he was on with us, I said, do you know where the money is? I know that sounds like a dumb question, but if you don't – I was curious, what are you going to say? You idiot, of course I do. He said, do I know where the money is? And I like sometimes because he didn't repeat questions, but he always kind of at times bannered back and forth with us to make sure we were you know, like doing our due diligence. He said, I absolutely know. But he didn't just say TV. You know what he said? Bandwidth. He made two or three other – he brought up two or three other terms about what you said, social engagement. Where are people – it doesn't matter what maybe cities they're in. TV networks, I think, are even smarter than that now. But, yeah, he, he may know where there's some hidden gems when it comes to money revenue that just because of where he's been, where he's worked, who he's worked with, where he's from, maybe there's that next something that he knows about or is about to happen that the Big 12 can connect to that brings them uh, interest, energy, and revenue. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see what he does. And, you know, I, I feel badly for the 
some of the PAC schools, you mentioned the two up in the Northwest. I'm just sorry, Oregon State and Washington State. They said it was going to happen to Kansas State and, and Iowa State a year ago. Uh, you are yep. going to the Mountain West. You are going You're yep. You're going down. And the Mountain West will be a better conference. The Sun Belt's a better conference. It, it's it, it's going to be fun to watch this evolution and, and see who ends up being good. But I've also been telling people, Brett Yormark doesn't start till August 1. And I don't know. I, I just think if they're going to be additions, if, if you can wait till after August 1, he probably would like to make it on his watch. And, uh, yeah, yeah. And, but yeah. It might, the pieces might start moving next week so fast that they can't wait. But we'll see. Well, we'll see how it works I'll, out. I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this. So he's working. I mean, he is working it, not just because he was introduced. Uh, I know that he's reached out to a few people around the conference and given them some homework assignments or asked them to, to look into this or that. He's working it. I'm telling you, uh, I, 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 I don't want, I mean, I, Mac Rhodes even said this, that he was thrilled and it does not just Baylor, but that, that he feels kind of, um, he didn't say honored, but maybe it was something like that, that he feels like he's been asked to be a part, like get in the foxhole yeah. with Brett Yormark. And I'm sure Gene Taylor and all the Jamie um, and others, you know, Kirby Holcutt, whoever. And I hope they are. I'll tell you this. When that name came down, we had Mac Rhodes on that day. And Mac didn't even know much about him. He was no. doing, he had a lot of, he had a lot of people trying to help him. Most people just went to Google. There's a few people that were in the know, but now after, after he spent time on the phone or what they've done and all this, because Mac wasn't there at big 12 media days, he was supposed to be on vacation when all hell broke loose. And that happens like every time he does, he, I think he is now. And, and that's good because Mac and, and Gene, these guys have been kind of like running the conference. Not the others are too, but these are guys who help. Like, listen, we've got to make this work for all of us. We don't need the rumors that so and so thinks they're too good and should be in the Big Ten. Hint, hint, who that might yeah, be. I know, who, you know, who, who, who uh, by the way, so and so is going to be the next team invited to the Pac 12. I think Gene and Mac and all these guys. I think they. I think they said, "Hey guys, listen. We we have to stick together. We did it last fall. Look what it did for us. My God, they did it. And I mean, Bob Bowlesby was out on the campus, dead man walking, and he and they found a way. And I think they they realized if they stay together, then good things can happen. And I think that's what they're working on doing right now." Well, I love the hire of Brett Yormark, as I did research on him. He's going to see things from a different angle. He's seen things from more of an entertainment angle for a while. But let's let's not forget that he played a significant role in rebranding the New Jersey Nets into something yes. cool. Yes. Think about that. Yes. The New Jersey yes. Nets were a laughing stock for so many times. Move them across, put them in Brooklyn, change their colors. And now the Brooklyn Nets are something pretty cool. And that's you know exactly what? what he needs to do with the Big Twelve, if they even want to keep the Big Twelve brand. That's another thing. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't change the name. I, I don't. Yeah, I don't know what they're going to do with the name. I really don't care as long as the conference strong, and then we deal with it. Um, and and they got to get away from these these mottos. You know, back remember. Uh, one true champion, and then that's the year that TCU and Baylor had the nightmarish. Oh my God! Uh, the, the 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 year that A and M was already talking to the SEC, and they knew they were off the door. I think they had something about uh, what was it? Uh, something about togetherness or whatever, which was crock. Last year, it, Bob Bowlesby. God bless him, Bob Bowlesby. 
whether he was asleep at the wheel or he just truly was just absolutely just blindsided, like even probably people who are both in Oklahoma and Texas were blindsided, is, you know, they're talking about they've never had more cohesiveness and unity. And the next week, the story pops. So get away from all these mottos about who we are. Just go be good. Go beat some good people. Go make this happen. Find the revenue. Stick together. Iowa State's got to be as important as Oklahoma State. And Oklahoma State has to be as important as West Virginia. And West Virginia needs to want Baylor and Houston to be just as good as Tech. And yeah, go beat each other, but be together because I think all of them, it's like you could have a couple of giants that can run over rampant, but if you have a bunch of like army ants, that's what I think the Big 12 is kind of like a group of a bunch of army ants. They do all the heavy. They're not the ones that have the most eyeballs and the most money and the most revenue and the most value. But, man, these are hardworking schools that have a history of having to develop people because they're not going to get all the elite players. And they're beating some of these teams that get all the five and four stars. It's going to be fun to watch these schools that now kind of bonding together the sum of the parts – is so much greater than the parts. And I love that. I agree. Conference. I B- love that's exactly. And, and BYU is, uh, they're going to be interesting to work with because uh, they do look at life a little bit differently. I don't trust people that don't like caffeine. I just, that's just me. I, just, I, <laughs> I, I mean, come on. You No drinking, that's fine. I'm down with that, but no caffeine, come on. Yeah, they, they are. I've always, I've always liked how they kind of, handle their business. They, they are unique. Baylor used to be very unique. They've changed quite a bit along the, the way the last uh, three to five years, and some of it because, damn, they needed to so yeah. badly. But also they look at things a little bit differently, which is kind of a, you know, a, the religious thing. TCU kind of separated from being known as a Christian school, and, you know, they don't even like to use Texas Christian University. They like to use TCU. People have changed. The world is changing. Doesn't mean it's always right. I, you know, TCU. Um, has always been the the, the 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 little brother because they got left out of the original Big 12. Yep. And believe me, they were pissed because Baylor got in. Uh, and Baylor used some political might. <laughs> and uh, it worked. And if, if TCU could, could have done it, they'd do it. But, but yeah, there were hard feelings. Houston was left out of the Southwest Conference. They want to get back in with these people and they want to, you know, kind of take it, take it out on them. And I think it's going to create some tremendous rivalries. And I do think you have a bunch of schools that you're right. No matter if you have the enrollment of UCF or the enrollment of TCU, massive enrollment to very small enrollment, private school enrollment. I think all of them realize there, there is that that they all have unique stories of not being good enough or being told rather that being told they're not good enough. Yep. And I think that I think that is. You know, I love the culture of what Bill Snyder did and how many times he, he rebuilt them twice at K-State. The greatest rebuilding job ever. Um, no matter how it ended, Art Browse and how he rebuilt Baylor is one of the greatest jobs ever. Um, and Matt Campbell, what he's trying to do with Iowa State to make them consistently a winner, not just on occasion, is a tremendous job. Uh, Gary Patterson, with what he did at TCU, there's these stories – of that that are schools that have always been told you're not supposed to be good and they and I love the way they fight back that doesn't mean they don't have their ups and downs and and I think that makes them stronger and I hope 
they all respect each other because of what they've had to overcome at times and how they're trying to be really, really good. Well, my friend, we've run long here, but I, I did want to – you brought this up last time I was on your show as I was heading down to Big 12 Media Days. Uh, your brother has been diagnosed with prostate cancer, advanced prostate cancer. How is he doing as of now? Uh, yeah, he's – Tim, thank you because I know that you you inspire so many people. And I, I remember I was just reading your timeline one day and I saw the story about a friend of yours – uh, who had passed away. And then I, I, I guess I just never realized maybe your story. And I shared it with you. I asked you about it. And then my brother, Robert, who's one of the nicest people in the history of the world, an incredibly great, my oldest, my oldest brother. I've got three brothers, two older brothers. Yeah, about three or four years ago, like 18, I guess it was 19, all of a sudden he was having some problems and he waited too late. He's doing, he had, he had a number of prostate PSA number that is like, part of like books being written because yeah. it was impossible he yeah. should he should have not been alive and he he really turned the corner and had made this tremendous comeback from this PSA level that was four digits which is like hard to even imagine yeah. it was below mine about a year or so ago and then things started flaring up and yes he has things inside some of his bone structure and skeleton um and and that we know we know what that means mm -hmm. he's the nicest most positive person i got a call from him tonight he's been through three chemotherapy chemo uh chemo uh, infusions or whatever you want to call them. Had one today. He calls me tonight on my way home from the uh, doing the show. As happy and as alert and as positive as anything you can imagine. And I'm like, didn't you just have chemo this morning? Yes. He's got a port. They put it in the port. They do blood tests and all that. It's his third treatment. I think he has five. I believe that's right. Maybe five or six. And then one of these days, he's going to have back-to-back -back wins. Like he's been like every three weeks. He had chemo this morning. And on occasion, he has what they call, I guess, a chemo fog where he forgets things. He gets loses his memory. I told him, I jokingly told him, I said, I, I don't even have chemo when I have that. You know, that's part of what I – And but he's he, – I saw – I get to see him. I saw him in June. He's doing remarkably well. His number went down. It's still way, way too high. But he's doing well. He's lost his hair. Uh but he doesn't give a damn because he feels good. He was having some aches and pains and some balance issues, you know, before he started that. He now feels like he's his. And again, we all know that there's a clock. And uh, but like I we went I, I see my brothers every first weekend in June. That's when my mom and dad's anniversary was forever. They both passed away in 15. So we promised each other we would always get together the first weekend in June, no matter what, and spend like four days together. My brother, our youngest brother has done really, really well in business and has a condo where he lives with his wife on the east coast of Florida. And one night, it was like, I guess it was Saturday Saturday or Sunday, and we went down to the beach. They have a private, not they, but there's a private beach across this street, and it's an amazing, amazing setup. And we went out there, and we had the tents, and we had the chairs, and we're smoking cigars, and we had a drink, and we're doing all this. And I, I, I had cooked some stuff for my brothers, like bacon-wrapped shrimp and all that. And I, was, I, was, I had it on the grill that was in the, the patio area down below where the pool was up from where he lives in his condo. And I was walking away, and I looked back on the beach. When I got up to the condo, he's on the 17th floor or whatever floor it is. And I looked downstairs down on the beach, and my brothers, three of them, and 
my youngest brother's wife were out there sitting on the beach and I had this horrible feeling come over me. Holy crap, that might be the last time Robert's on the beach because, you know, he's going through chemo. You're not mm -hmm. supposed to get sun and certain. And I was like, I felt like a damn idiot that I was going upstairs to take the food inside when the sun was starting to come down, starting to set. Of course, we're in Florida, so it's on the opposite side of the building. And I put everything down. It reality took over. I didn't know. So I said something to my youngest, my second oldest brother. I went, we're walking back. I was like, I mean, was that real emotional for Robert? He goes, what do you mean? I said, I mean, it, it, you know, I, I, is this the last time he's going to be here and at the beach? He goes, no. I mean, it's like he has not been given any time. He's not been given any type of, of, you know, distance between now and whenever it is, gets worse. We know that can happen tomorrow. It can happen overnight. We can happen in a month. It can happen in five years. You have told me a lot. And I've learned a lot from what your story and what you've told me. But I, I, I got to tell you, it's, it's remarkable. It's inspiring what you do, what he's doing. He, uh, he talked to me when he called me today. It was like I. I, I, I just was blown away. And I think sometimes I have bad days and then he calls me and I feel like I've never had a bad day, yeah. you know, because of how his attitude is about life. Well, the science is the science and I believe in that. But I also in my journey have been thoroughly convinced that prayer and positive vibes help that cancer despises joy and it yeah. tries to steal your joy and if you can keep your joy like your brother has, cancer doesn't, it, it won't, it can't thrive. It can't take, take you over the same way. Yeah. Maybe you lose yep. the battle in the long run. But I, I tell you what, it, just staying positive and living in the moment. Man, if you just keep thinking about what could happen, what tomorrow might be like, if he starts worrying about his next chemo in a week or whenever it is, yep. it eats you yep. up and it, it steals your joy and you can't. You can't let that happen. You just can't. No. And and you are the epitome of that and that you tell people and you, you share with people. When I said something about my brother on the air, not, I mean, I said, obviously brought it up to you and then saw you at Big 12 Media Days. You gave me that bracelet. Um, I, I mentioned it on the air and I had people contact me. What's your brother's number? Yeah. And then I'm like, I don't know if he wants a bunch of people calling him, but there is a fraternity. Yeah. There is a bond. He has a group that he meets with, like, uh, it's, it's a church group, but it's, a, it's, it's at the church, but it's a group of people who have had these stories to share that have given him, enlightened him, and given him reasons to understand things can be okay. Um, yes, we don't know, because it's a four-letter word, cancer, but at the same time, it's evil. There's that word, but um, but it is it's amazing. I've learned so much about amazing people because of what he's had to deal with, and I it, it makes me feel better about everything because there's so many people that when I think I really do, like I you get down one day, I miss a four foot putt for a par. So what? You know, I mean, who gives a damn? I mean, so what? There's a lot more important things in life. And uh, and that's what takes me back, if you don't mind, to loop back to all this drama in college football fed by egos and money and who's bigger. 
And it makes me like it. I'm not trying to be old man, get off my lawn, but it makes me sick because we've lost some of the values of competition, tradition, and, and really what college athletics. And I know NIL is different. I get it. That's fine. The transfer portal, I think that's going to be a nightmare. It already is. But re, it's like none of that matters anymore. None of that matters anymore, and that's sickening to me because college football is a great sport the way it is yep. and the way it has been. Yep, you just got to gotta keep going forward, you know, and, and whether that's a, a yep. conference, a school, or someone's health, you just got to keep going forward and, yep. and, and, You're right. and find a way to take that next step. Brother, it's been, it's been a blessing to get to know you, and, and I hope this is a friendship that sticks because uh, I think we have a lot in common. Mostly we're old farts. And that's yes, we are. Yeah, Remember a typewriter, eight track, mm-hmm. and a an old like whatever you want to hey buddy, Jim, I'm so proud of you and I, I'm proud to call you a friend. I'm proud of what you represent and I, I have it's weird in the last few, maybe even couple of months, I've gotten to know people. I've I'm also kind of I'm not a hermit, but I kind of keep to myself, you know. And um I've really it's like it's almost like something's working with me that I've gotten to know some people. A, a guy at Waco I was playing golf with uh, three or four weeks ago invited me to come over at dinner. He had found out he lived like four down four. Now I live in a condo area, but he's like four houses, like a quarter of a mile away. And I think someone's working on me <laughs> about you know enjoying my life a little bit better and opening up a little bit better by getting to know you better and getting to know. Uh, Doc, uh, 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 Blake Browder better, a guy that I had I, I, I you know, it, it's that's kind of something that's good too in, in, in all of this as well. Thank you my friend we will talk soon, I'll, I'll hopefully I'll be on your show soon, we got lots to talk you about. You will be, oh yeah and one of these days we might even talk football, <laughs> like crazy. games and, and, yes, but do people care? Alright buddy <laughs> yeah, no we had somebody today. Can you guys just like one day not bring up NIL transfer portal and realignment? Yep. Of course, we would lose all of our audience, but the answer would be we would love to. Believe me, yep. we would. I agree. I'll talk to you real soon, bud. All right. Okay. Thank you, Tim. Bye. Bye-bye. First of all, I want to tell you that I cut some of this episode because it was too long. Second of all, I want to tell you that we could have gone a lot longer. I finally had to end it. We had so many topics that we could have spoken about, but just didn't have time, even though we went more than an hour. Smokey's a great dude. He really is. And I enjoy talking to him. I love that accent he kind of has. His son's accent is incredible. But mostly he's a calming voice in the midst of all this realignment storm. He's got a really focused outlook on this, and he wants tangible information That will help his listeners come to conclusions. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Life of Fits. We got a little more sportsy in this one than a lot of times, but it's also very relevant, especially the ending about his brother and his battle with prostate cancer. Guys, if you're over 45, please get to your doctor and get your PSA scored. As David Smoke just pointed out, his brother probably waited too long to check on his PSA after symptoms had already shown themselves. So don't mess around with prostate cancer. Thanks for listening, everybody. I will talk to you real soon.
CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. I survive. You make quick, smart decisions. If you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.